0: Hello, my name is Elder Price, and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. Loathing, Stop. unadulterated loathing, Stop. for your face, your voice, for clothing, Stop. let's just say, I love it all. Alexander
1: Hamilton,
0: my name is Alexander Hamilton, Hello.
1: and there's a million things I haven't done, but just to...
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Next Best Theatre. I'm your host, Michael Schwartz, and today is a very exciting day for our website and podcast. Not only am I joined by my original two co-hosts, Nicole Ackman. Hi, guys. And Dan Bayer, Willkommen. (laughs) Little Alan Cumming cabaret there. (laughs) But in addition to Nicole and Alan, we have the addition of uh, a third member of our team today, a third member of Next Best Theatre family, Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Cody Derricks.
3: Hello. Hello. Oh, it's so hard being quiet when you want to talk on a podcast.
2: (laughs) we had to build up your entrance there. I'm sorry we didn't have anything a little more exciting, but I know (laughs) we are very happy to have you on
3: board. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much, Michael.
2: So I know you have a vast theater knowledge, and I'm sure our listeners are eager to hear all about it. So I'm just really going to turn the floor over to you to start. Oh, Tell us a little about yourself, how you came to love this art form, anything that crosses your mind. Like the floor is yours. Go ahead. Okay,
3: well okay, well I was born in New Jersey in the early nineties and at an early age I was brought to New York to see um Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. And I remember right, I mean (laughs) I just remember being transfixed and literally just, you know, I was a five year old and I did not move or speak or anything. And I actually went back to my first grade classroom the next day and started casting my own production of Beauty and the Beast, um, which actually did get performed. I still have it on video. It's like pretty transcendent. And (laughs) yeah, it's been off to the races since then. I've just, you know, seen as many shows as I can when I was living in New Jersey, New York. I'm currently in Chicago, but I still try to see as many as I can. when I'm Well, that's a great theater city too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Steppenwolf there. You know, it's great because, like, the four of us are all in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. We're not just in the country. We're international now. So Mm -hmm. Dan is in New York. He gets to see the most Broadway, obviously. (laughs) Nicole, you're in London, so you get all the West End stuff. Yep. And then Cody and I, so I'm in Philadelphia. I'm just a short train ride from New York, but we also have great things here. But Cody, for Chicago, you probably have those great tours, but then, of course, Steppenwolf. So
3: there's really a lot, I'm sure. Yeah, we have Steppenwolf, we have The Goodman. I'm actually an actor myself, so I'm, you know, I'm in some pretty good shows myself. But uh, yeah, we got plenty of stuff out here in Chicago. But really, I mean, I'm sorry. Nothing compares to going to see a full-fledged Broadway show in New York. It truly doesn't.
2: Absolutely. And I'm realizing now that I am now outnumbered by the actors. We have this running joke here that <laughs> Nicole and Dan have performing arts backgrounds, and now you, Cody. And I am the <laughs> one who enjoys seeing the show. That would never be caught dead in a show or singing or performing or anything like that i just like seeing the story and seeing the performances
4: so and i think that's funny that i host a theater podcast when i'm the last person who be on the stage hey there are all sorts of different positions that you can do in the theater that doesn't have to be acting
5: to be fair i never did a musical i'm i'm a play only type actress Yes,
2: <laughs> Ain't
4: nothing wrong with that well we like a
2: little diversity here so that's good <laughs> Well, Cody, as I said, I'm so happy to have you on board. Uh, And then this is also the time to announce that in addition to Cody, Next Best Theatre also welcomed another contributor this week, the wonderful Beatrice Loza. Unfortunately, Beatrice couldn't join us for this episode, but we look forward to chatting with her again very soon, whether it's on the website or our next podcast. So welcome, Beatrice.
3: Welcome, Beatrice. see
2: you soon, Beatrice. (laughs) This is going to be a jam-packed episode, as I've been suggesting. In addition to welcoming Cody and Beatrice... This is the first time the next best theater is going to stray away from talking strictly about the Tony Awards. In our special seventh episode, we're going to spend some time talking about Broadway news and the arrival of a few musicals. After that, I have a small game, if you could even call it a game, (laughs) for us to play. (laughs) And finally, we're going to spend the better half of this episode truly earning our explicit iTunes rating. I
5: I think Dan earns that every episode.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I have a sailor's mouth. (laughs) Well, it's really going to count today. So, if you have any kids in the car as you're listening, like give them the iPod or the headphones or something.
3: Or you know what, (laughs) educate them. Let them listen to it. (laughs) Yes,
2: as we are going to look back on the 15th anniversary of Avenue Q, which opened at the Golden Theater on July 31st, 2003. Everyone's favorite Tony Award-winning raunchy puppet musical. (laughs) <laughs> so we have a lot to cover in a very short amount of time. We're going to try to keep this to about an hour, hour 15 tops. But we will try our very best to do it all justice. How does that all sound?
5: Sounds great to me. Sounds
2: good to me. I'm pumped. <laughs> all right, fantastic. We have some news to cover first. And, you know, I want to get the sad news out of the way because we can't let this episode go by without talking about the loss of Gary Beach. Yeah, Cody and Dan, I know you were mentioning uh, Beauty and the Beast before.
3: Yes, um, he actually was still in it when I saw. Him. Yeah, he was. Oh, wow. He was Lumiere,
4: I think. Yes, he was um, Lumiere. Yes, I, 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 th- I had to say because like Beauty and the Beast is also my first Broadway show. <laughs> cody so mm. we have that in common but i actually saw it in previews from like the front row of the orchestra i
3: brag wow so everything was
4: like it, everything was like right up above me and it was like <laughs> so cool it was the coolest experience ever like yeah i was destined to become a theater person
5: i actually think beauty and the beast on tour is the first show i ever saw so oh my
4: god <laughs>
2: See, everyone has these beauty and the beast stories i never saw it on broadway I saw it at my high school once, but I never saw it with Gary as,
5: Beach.
3: I'm sure it's just as good. <laughs> I'm sure.
2: <laughs> so my first Broadway show was actually Fiddler on the Roof with Harvey Firestein.
5: I mean, that says it all. <laughs> mm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, Gary Beach, you know, very, very talented Broadway actor. Lumiere, obviously. But the role he'll always be remembered for is that of Roger Debris and the producers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the producers, we're going to talk about it a little later when we get to another piece of news. But uh, that's one of my all-time favorites. He is just over the top in the best way. He's playing a character that could come off as offensive if done the wrong way, but he hits all the right notes to make it so over the top that all you can do is laugh at him. I mean, would you both agree in that? He's great.
5: Yeah, absolutely. definitely.
2: I all agree. I keep saying both because I'm <laughs> used to two people now. Oh my goodness, it's going to be a learning curve. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> uh, won the Tony and then went to reprise that role in the film, the 2005 film. Uh, you know, basically the same performance. I don't know how you all feel about this, but I think he could have been up for a supporting actor Oscar. He was so great.
4: I have very conflicted feelings about the movie of the producer's musical.
5: Yeah.
4: Um, but, I, yeah, he's very, very enjoyable in it.
5: It makes me so happy that his performance is kind of immortalized in that movie.
4: Right. And you have to remember,
2: I was, show my age here, 10 years old when that movie came out. <laughs> In 2005, God, was born in 95.
4: I feel so old.
2: baby. <laughs> so when I saw that movie, that was my first exposure to the musical. I saw it on Broadway a year after. So that's why I always hold that movie close to my heart. Oh, wow. It was the wow. first time I really connected with the producers. That's interesting
4: that you saw the movie first. Yes.
2: But uh, Gary Beach, only 70 years old. Uh, we don't know the cause of death, but it's still very, very sad. Uh, Tony Winter, Not that he did so much after Roger Debris, but really, how do you top that?
3: Right. Yeah, he was in Le Cage mm. and I and yes. he was nominated for that.
2: He was, and I think that no, he did Les Mis after Le Cage That was his final Broadway performance. Oh, I believe. yes, yeah. Mm. He play, played played uh, a Thenardier, mm. <laughs> so I, and I can just totally see him singing Master of the House and all that. Yeah, easy. So, oh, absolutely. Any other thoughts about Gary Beach,
4: or shall we move on? I, you know, it, it always sucks when talented people pass on. Yeah,
3: yeah. Thanks for being in my first Broadway show, Gary. Yes. Rest in
2: peace, Gary B. We love you. We miss you. Next piece of news, and this is breaking news. It's not going to be breaking news when this episode comes up, but it (laughs) it is breaking news as of 7 o'clock on Tuesday, July 24th. (laughs) We're getting a Bob Fosse, Gwen Verdon television show on FX from Gwen (laughs) Benwell Miranda and Tommy Kale starring Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams. Who wants to go first?
5: (laughs) I'm just going to start by saying... Lin-Manuel Miranda is doing so much currently. I'm <laughs> convinced he's not a human being. It's insane. Uh, he's a superhero. Mm-hmm. And I have more faith in this project than I think I normally would because he and Tommy Kale are involved. And I think Andy Blankenbuehler is a co-producer on it as well. Oh,
2: so Lord. It is so breaking that I didn't even read the whole piece
4: from the Hollywood mm. Reporter.
5: And Nicole Fossey, their daughter, is involved with the making of it as well.
4: Oh, Fosse's daughter, isn't it? Oh,
5: Yeah, which is an interesting thing to know, but it also makes me feel that maybe it's going to be a less... Warts and all. Yeah, exactly. Like I think I I, I trust the people whose hands it's in. I guess that's how I would put it.
2: See, the perennial uh, warts and all Fossey story is always going to be all that jazz.
3: All that jazz,
2: yep. So, as long as we have that, I don't really care if this doesn't show us that darker side. You know, as long as we have a show that I mean, at least suggests it, but also gives us his entertaining sequences. That's pretty much all I want from something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we think of the casting? Uh,
4: Cody, Dan, thoughts?
3: Uh, Michelle I,
4: Williams. I don't know why they keep casting Michelle Williams in musicals, much less musicals where she is required to be an amazing dancer.
3: I, I imagine there will be a lot of doubling mm-hmm. for the dance parts. I would, I would hope.
4: Yeah, I there there would have to be because she is a. Fine singer, and she does somewhat look like Gwen Verdon. But dear Lord, Gwen Verdon is one of the all time, like, legendarily great dancers in Broadway history. Right. And Michelle Williams can Michelle Williams <laughs> dance. I mean, I saw her in the Cabaret revival, and I still don't know. As did I. So, <laughs> well, you have to remember when she's doing a
2: "Don't Tell Mama," she's doing it from a chair. Yes, like she doesn't have to do high kicks.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So I, I mean, I don't think it's we've really been or had an opportunity to see her do that type of work yet. You know, Greatest Showman had some stuff, but that was probably CGI'd.
3: That oh, that was that a was, a really that, was uh, movie.
4: that
2: yeah. <laughs> that
3: was another human being.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that was some other people, not Hugh Jackman Jack and
2: Michelle
3: Williams.
4: That name have the other Michelle Williams.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I am um I am happy though because I feel like Gwen Verdon is a name that is not super known outside of the really in the know Broadway yeah, circles, so I, I would hope this would give her her legacy a little bit more of a boost.
5: That's a great point.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely. That's going to start filming later this year. And the aim is to have it on FX by early 2019 for next year's Emmys.
5: Exciting. Here's
2: hoping. Keep an eye on that. It'll be eight episodes, which I don't know about the three of you, but I think eight episodes is the perfect length for television perfect. right now.
3: Perfect. And FX knows really, really knows how to do that.
2: I just watched a Pose on FX, mm-hmm. which Me was too. perfect. Like, eight episodes, I felt like I got to know those characters, spend enough time with them to take a year off, and then pick up the story again next year. Mm-hmm. So... Really looking forward to that. Yeah. Next bit of news, uh, and this doesn't really involve a whole lot. It's just a public service announcement while people still have the time. Bette Midler and Donna Murphy are back in Hello, Dolly. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Bernadette Peters sadly left. I had the pleasure of seeing both Bette and Bernadette. I'm so jealous. Dan and I are trying to arrange a trip to see Donna Murphy at some point. During one of her Sunday matinees, which would be amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's very tough living outside of the city to see a show, let alone once. Uh, yeah. But to go three (laughs) times, which I don't think I've ever done before, is just a little crazy, yeah. But I don't think people know how great this revival is. I know, Dan, you're the only other one who could speak to that, but...
4: It is so beautifully designed and performs, and it really, it like, it. when they say, like, they don't make them like they used to, like, this, everything about this production is what they're talking about. And, and I assume that's also true of, like, the My Fair Lady revival that's on right now as well, which I'm seeing in September. We will talk about next, actually. I have some news
2: regarding that. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I will add real quickly that there are rumors circulating that Hello, Dolly! will be coming to the West End uh, probably at the London Palladium with Bette Midler.
2: Ooh. No
5: confirmation yet, but it seems likely.
2: You know what's happening with Hello Dolly? It's not going away. They're just putting all their money into the tour because mm-hmm. it is such a big show. Yeah. You know, like, this isn't a spoiler for an old show, but there's a scene with the train where a train mm-hmm. comes out on stage. And it's not just like a set of a train, it is a full on locomotive that comes on stage. Yeah, it's incredible.
3: Um, refresh my memory, who is going to be the tour dolly?
2: Betty Buckley. Okay. Yeah. I'll see Betty Buckley. Yeah, Betty Buckley <laughs> is a very good choice for a tour. You still get your star. I'd see Betty Buckley too, yeah. <laughs> you still get the star. It's not like some nobody, even though they might be great, but this is a role that demands a big name. Yep. Mm-hmm. But uh, while you have the chance, it closes Friday, August 25th, I believe. See Hello, Dolly! on Broadway if you get the chance. Tickets are only $39 yeah. to sit in the balcony and see Donna Murphy. Oh, my God. You
4: cannot <laughs> And you can see everything so well from there.
2: Right. I sat there both times. I even paid, this ridiculous, $100 to sit in the balcony and see Beth Midler. <laughs> that was worth it. So if you have that type of cash, drop it and see her. <laughs> you won't be disappointed by Absolutely. it. Absolutely, it It's just a great, great show.
4: And Donna Murphy, who has been getting the best reviews on Broadway. Yep. Scott S- West, so Donna Murphy. <laughs> like, if you can't see that, no big. Donna is a Tony-winning legend in her own right and amazing. Which is why I just want viewers to
2: sympathize with me here, not to brag or anything like this, or, like, I don't want a pity mm-hmm. story. <laughs> on Sundays, the only time she's playing... You know, the trains only run every hour from Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. and they stop everywhere. There's no express train. So it'll take me about four hours to get to New York from Philadelphia to see Donna Murphy and Hello, Dolly. That is a commitment I am making for this
3: woman. It's your pilgrimage. (laughs) Oh, wow.
2: (laughs) Yes. And what should take maybe two hours tops is now taking double the time for this two-time Tony winner. Just thought I'd share, unlike Dan (laughs) who gets to take the whole train down from his house.
4: (laughs) I just live in the Heights, so it takes about half an hour. (laughs)
2: so donna murphy we love you bet midler i hope everyone loves Bette midler (laughs) disappointed to see bernadette
4: leave but
5: yeah i do love bernadette more than Bette midler i will admit but
4: (laughs) in general
2: yes yeah
5: just in general
4: (laughs) yeah
2: so see the show next piece of news is pure speculation I don't know if any of you heard, but Diana Rigg is leaving My Fair Lady as Mrs. Higgins in September. Oh. You know, the role of Mrs. Higgins is interesting. She was Tony nominated and she's fantastic. But just like Tony Shalhoub, she does not sing in the musical. Mm-hmm. Even less than Tony Shalhoub. She hasn't right. even hum. No humming at all. <laughs> yeah. It's just Mrs. Higgins serving
4: shade. Yep. <laughs>
5: well, and she's been serving some shade of her own, as I'm sure we have all heard. Yes, uh, she yes. has. In the comments that she uh, made about Lauren Ambrose. So I'm very curious, you know, if that's played into at all, her
2: Ooh. departing the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know any of that other behind-the-scenes drama aside had from Lauren Ambrose stuff. But, <laughs> you know, it's... For someone in their early 80s to be on Broadway from, what was it, April till September? That's a pretty long engagement. Even in a small part, it's a lot. Right. So I understand why she's leaving, but here's there is nothing to this. It's just just something I either saw on Twitter or came up with myself. I forget what it was at this point because it's been in my brain for a while. (laughs) What do we think would happen if, since it's a part that doesn't involve any singing, what if she was recast with Julie Andrews? Uh, I would buy a ticket. Yeah. I would die. I would buy a
5: plane ticket. <laughs>
4: yeah. I would die. I would love that so much. Oh my God.
5: I can't even like handle the thought of that.
4: So <laughs> I, I don't think that would ever happen because Julie Andrews is like a, even a bigger name than Diana right, Rake. Right. But <laughs>
2: It would never happen. But just the thought of Julie Andrews playing Mrs. Oh, Higgins God. in a production of My Fair Lady of Lincoln Center. Oh. Uh yes oh my god <laughs> you can go to sleep knowing that now that'll yeah. help everyone yeah. sleep better including our listeners <laughs> all right next piece of news as we all think about that and can't talk about avenue <laughs> q now uh, a few shows just open up on broadway over the last couple of weeks actually some of them uh, will be opening up as this podcast drops next week or if you're listening mm-hmm. today <laughs> mm-hmm. those shows are uh, two musicals and one play The play is called Straight White Men and stars Josh Charles, uh, Army Hammer, and whoever is playing the father now because it has been recast so many times over the last couple of weeks.
5: Who knows? Whoever they're grabbing from the street, you know.
2: (laughs) Then it was uh, the guy from Oslo whose name I'm blanking on.
5: Yep, him.
2: And now it's someone else whose name I am also blanking on, the professional podcast host that I am. (laughs) But uh, I know the reviews dropped. I really don't know a ton about this show, but people seem to really respond to it. Any thoughts about straight white men,
3: the play? Uh, well, this played in Chicago last year. Yeah, um, I believe. Did I'm you Camp see it? No, I'm too poor. Um, <laughs> and I didn't really hear anything about it. You know, when something is good in Chicago, when because there, there isn't that much uh, upper tier theater, like the really, really you know Broadway caliber equity theaters, you usually hear about it. And I, mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't hear a single thing about this, which is you know maybe just my perspective, but. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, it's also
4: like, it's tough because it's a new play and Young Jean Lee, who's not um, a huge name as a playwright. Um, and I also don't know who was in it when I was in Chicago, but that can also play a factor. But it's definitely True. the talk of the town right now in New York. <laughs> I can tell you that.
5: <laughs> I think it's great to see someone like Young Jing Lee get a show on to Broadway like this with an impressive cast. Like, I think yep. that is one of the things that would make me want to see it.
4: Yeah. Huge deal. And uh, Matt, it Mike, it's, it's Stephen Payne, who is the father now. Stephen okay. Payne. Okay. So with the reviews for the show, even though it's a summer opening, do we think this could factor into the Tony awards next year? It's possible. It will all depend on, you know, the new plays that open. I don't think it'll, It probably won't factor into performances because it's way too early in the season, but if it gets great reviews, um, it could definitely linger and make it in for best play. Maybe like The Children last year. Yeah. Exactly. I was thinking the Mm -hmm. same thing. From
5: the reviews that I've read, it seems like the kind of thing that might get some nominations, but I'm not expecting Mm -hmm. any wins necessarily.
4: Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't expect wins either. All right.
2: Well, there's that. Uh, I mean, the thing I'm wondering about the show is how long is it going to take for someone to come to stage or and ask Army Hammer to sign a peach? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's already happened.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that, That's just
2: bound to happen when you're out in public. After that's really... So, crazy, crazy fans. That's the play. And then two, I guess you could call them jukebox musicals, which are not my favorite unless they're about a good band. We have Head Over Heels and Getting the Band Back Together. Yes. Does anyone know anything about these two shows?
4: I know Getting the Band Back Together has Mary Lou Henner in it, and I know Head Over Heels um, is based on an old, I think an old French play, and is using the music of the Go-Go's, and also has in the cast uh, Peppermint from season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race, who is the first trans performer to have to headline a a new musical on Broadway.
5: Oh,
3: Peppermint is the only reason I am at all even interested in this musical. Sorry.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I am interested in it because I I love the Go-Go's music and I'm really interested to see how they are fitting that music into this plot um, and this period, <laughs> um, and also I've heard that you know people have really enjoyed it, uh, but I, it I'm I'm
3: a little dubious. Also, yeah, I've heard it's very fun, and that's about all. Which is all right.
4: fine.
2: Well, maybe not a Tony player, but just you yeah. know, fun for people in the summer. Yeah. They're conditioning in a theater. <laughs> so we will see what happens with them. And I lied; we actually have one more musical to talk about. That I think is either opening as we speak or about to open, and that is Pretty Woman the musical.
3: Yes, it's about to
4: open, yes. And
2: Nicole, few weeks. I want you to talk about this one because you <laughs> seem to be the most excited out of the people here
5: today. Um, okay, so obviously, as our readers probably will guess, if they don't already know, it's based on the movie Pretty Woman. Um, I am mostly excited about it because it is starring Samantha Barks in that role, famously you know played by um, Julia Roberts.
2: Oscar-nominated role played yes. by Julia Roberts.
5: And people might recognize Samantha Barks from things like the *Lame Miz movie. Um, she did *Omelia*. Which Amelie. was
4: fantastic, and by the way,
2: She's
5: she the was best part of that film hands down. How I would she say. did
4: not become a major major star after that, I still don't know. She went nowhere after that. It was bizarre. Well, she went back to theater.
2: Back
5: to yeah. the <laughs> West End, right? Yeah, because yeah, when she was cast um, in it, she was playing Eponine in the West End, or I think she was actually playing Nancy yeah. in the Oliver tour at the time, but she had just yes. played it in the West End. like.
2: And she's also in the 25th anniversary concert of Les Yes,
5: which is so lovely. So she has stuff
2: before, but it just seems like after the movie, she sort of disappeared for a while.
5: She did some smaller films, actually, and then she was in Amelie.
4: Yeah, she did the original reading of Amelie. Yes, true. Mm-hmm. Um true. In... Uh, did not go with it to Broadway because they wanted Philippa Sue. That was for the best. <laughs> yeah, well, well, what? yeah, because the show wasn't that great. Um, she would have had two <laughs> weeks' employment. Oh. but yeah, and then I think since then she's been working on Pretty Woman.
5: Yeah, because she did the out of town run as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I'm I would see her in literally anything. Me too. Um, <laughs> because I've you know been a fan since the days of her being in Les Mis. But it also looks like a really interesting kind of standout lead female role. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what she's going to do with it. And I hope that it, it lasts long enough for me to get back to uh, New York and be able to see it.
2: All right. Well, hopefully the reviews are good. I mean, everyone wants to see Samantha Bark succeed.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And, uh, you know, on one hand, I'm sort of sick of seeing these. Musicals based on movies. Mm -hmm. Not that they can't be good, because some of the best of all time are based on movies. But it just seems like it's such a lazy thing to fall back on.
5: To me, the issue with it is when it's it's not you know musicals based on movies. It's when that becomes. Kind of oversaturating in the market, and it's keeping those yeah. original stories from getting to Broadway.
2: Yeah. And I also right. say this as someone who can't wait to see Tootsie the musical.
1: So
5: <laughs> no
2: maybe God. I'm just biased. <laughs> Regardless, Nicole, I hope you get to see it. Cody Thank and Dan, you. are you interested in going at some point? Absolutely. Or, uh,
3: I love the movie. Um, I do love the movie, but I'm not sure how much of that is because of Julie Roberts. So mm. I have to hear how my beloved Samantha is, I
5: suppose. <laughs> Dan and I are already making tentative plans to go see it together. So yes, <laughs> all right. Well, you have to
3: let us know if they played the song. They
2: can't have Pretty Woman without the song. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Speaking of Pretty Woman, I thought we would have a little game. If you want to call it a game, if not, we'll just call it
5: question round.
2: A favorite, yes, question. <laughs> so, since Pretty Woman is yet another Broadway show based on a movie, I wanted to ask the three of you, what are your favorite Broadway shows based on movies? But here's the catch. Movies with original screenplays. So they can't mm-hmm. be Broadway shows based on movies that were already books or other sources. They have to be original films. Uh, let's start with our new uh, co-host, Tony. Or, mm-hmm. I almost called you Tony. And <laughs> <about
3: that story. laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my goodness. We'll have to
2: cut that out. Cody. Oh my god. <laughs> now keep it
3: in. <laughs> yes. Alright. So um, I had to think about this a little bit. and I had a little list going, but um. I I fell back on this musical I've loved for a long time, which is nine, which is based on eight and a half by Fellini, which is an original movie. It's a semi autobiographical movie. And it really did what I think the best of movies to musicals can do, which is take the source material and expand it, flesh it out, kind of take what made the movie great and make it his own thing in the medium of musical theater. Um, I think he has a a gorgeous score. It's classically infused this Mori score, which Mm -hmm. um, it it sounds like Italian, but also timeless and evocative of classic movies. But then there's operetta. It's really just a humongous mixed bag, but it's gorgeous the entire time. And I think it's just a wonderful celebration of um, women and how they um, support men. That sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) Just a bit. Okay. Hear me out. Yeah. There's it's, it's, in in the movie the women are there but they are they kind of revolve mm-hmm. around um the character of Guido and they're more of like figments of memory.
2: It's not as icky as it sounds. It's really not.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. In the musical you you see how they uh helped him get to where he is today and it's much more uh humane and they're much more fleshed out.
5: Okay, I've actually never heard of this one, but I love anything Mara Yestin, so I'm definitely gonna have to check it out. Wait, Nicole, wait, you've never heard of wait, oh, well, this? Nicole, a, you've the heard night? of this? No.
4: Even after the big movie adaptation with Daniel Day Lewis, for some reason.
5: Oh, okay. I mean, I've he- I've heard of the movie, but like, I've not really. I've never seen it.
4: Okay, don't, don't see the movie. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I've, I've never on, seen like no, the movie no, no, or no, no, the no. stage show. Go online. Go online and watch the clip of Fergie doing Be Italian because
2: fair, it's the fair. best thing in the movie. Fair, fair. Yes,
3: that and one's amazing. And the performance amazing. Amazing. that
4: should have won Marion Cotillard her second Oscar.
3: Yes. Mm or at
4: least gotten her nomination instead of Penelope Cruz. Sure. I just I've sure, never
5: really heard anything about it on stage, if that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. It the
3: the stage musical, it is similar to the movie that came after it, but it is its own beast. I would okay. I would recommend seeking out the cast album of the original. There
4: was there was a revival of it in I think the early 2000s, um, with Antonio Banderas yeah, that one's and Jane Krakowski, um, that is fan the the cast recording for that is fantastic.
5: Oh, yes. Cheetah
4: and Krakowski, Jane. I think both of them won Tonys that year for for that.
3: Jane won a Tony. Jane won a Tony. Yeah, a t- t- yeah a Tony Antonio she did not. Was right.
4: Nominated with uh, Laura Benanti and Cheetah Rivera. Yeah,
2: and Antonio yeah. Banderas played Guido. That is a fantastic show. That could be a future episode. Honestly, I would. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. It's a wonderful show. I'm willing
5: to listen to it and watch it. And
2: And as (laughs) for the movie, I know people don't really like the movie, but I have to say this is another instance of me seeing the movie before being familiar with the show. Fair. I was in middle school at the time, and it was like this big, dare I mention the name, Weinstein holiday production. (laughs) supposed to get Oscars. And it was Rob Marshall who had just done Chicago. Yes. It did somewhat well at the Oscars. You know, people like to act like it was some giant disaster. Not all critics loved it, but it scored five nominations, and it got a SAG nomination. Like, it nearly got a Best Picture nomination, I think. There was industry love for that movie.
4: Yeah, it's not a great movie, but it's not a huge flop by any means. So, uh, Cody, I think
2: Nine is a terrific choice. Mm -hmm. Terrific musical. Nicole, you should get on that at some point, because it is a really, really great production. Awesome. All right. Uh, Nicole, why don't we move on to you and your choice now?
5: All right. So this was really hard for me and I'm actually going to mention two, which I know you, I'm not supposed to, but, you could pick two. <laughs> um, well, what it is is I will say Kinky Boots is my favorite musical that's based on a movie, but I think Heather's is my favorite musical that's based on a movie as an adaptation of that movie, if that makes sense. Okay. Because I think, I like I love the Heathers movie. It's a classic, obviously. Yeah. um, but I think what the musical does is it takes it and it kind of makes i guess at least for me, it makes the humor more to my taste in it. like it camps it up a bit more. I think it makes a lot of it a bit easier to handle in some ways while still uh, driving all the messages home. And I think it also makes you care about the characters in it a lot more than the movie actually does. Mm.
1: Um,
5: I will say. It's not been on Broadway. It had its run off Broadway, but it is currently on in London and is about to transfer to the West End. And I'm hoping, because they've been doing a lot of rewriting of the show with the original creative team, that it is going to be headed to Broadway sometime soon because I think that it's a really beautiful um, and very original piece for the fact that it is based on a movie.
4: I, I've heard the soundtrack to Heathers. Yes. Um, uh, And there there is one song in it that... I, that, I was that is horrible? Absolutely floored by. What?
5: Oh, okay. There is one song in the original soundtrack that is absolutely horrible.
4: Well, no. there's one song that I was like completely okay. so floored say, by. It's been
5: cut. Don't worry. <laughs> oh,
4: okay. And there has been one song that I was just like. Yeah. Because I've heard it performed in cabarets a few times. And, oh my God, I can't remember the name of it right now. But it was really, really beautiful. I'm like, this is from Heathers? <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: Every time I hear it. Yeah. Um, And I've heard, like, really good things. So I really want the current production in London to come to Broadway.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I'm really hoping that it's going to because it's a really beautiful production. And I think that it's an interesting one because, obviously, Mean Girls has taken a lot from Heathers just in terms of the movie itself. Um, You know, I think Mean Girls borrowed Mm -hmm. a lot from Heathers, which came first as a movie. Yeah, And I think that, for me, part of the reason that I don't like Mean Girls more is because I love Heather so much, and I'm like, I've already got my, like, high school drama click musical, <laughs> um, which I think mm-hmm. carries a much stronger message.
4: Yeah. Good choice.
5: Thank you. All right.
4: Dan, what are you thinking? <laughs> um, I did not even need to think about this. Uh, is it Ghost? When you gave <laughs> the... <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about Ghost later. Um, but... <laughs> I no, I didn't need to think about this because my... It it's actually in my top ten musicals of all time, um, and it's Once.
3: Really, mm. oh, I love Once.
4: Which I I have never. I don't think I've seen something so freaking gorgeous on stage before. Um, I friends of mine had seen it. Um, we're lucky enough to see it when it was off Broadway, and wow. tell me because when they when I first heard that they're making a stage musical based on the movie, I was like, oh, come on. (laughs) And then... I had friends who went to see it specifically because, you know, like it's in a bar and the bar is on stage and you can like go and drink during the show. And I was like, that's stupid. And then they came, (laughs) they, they saw it and I was like, no, no, it's really good. Like, we're going to try to get tickets to see it again. We weren't able to, but then I saw it when it was on Broadway and I I was just bowled over. I think that it, is one of the most beautifully staged things that I've ever seen on a Broadway stage. Um, And, but on top of that, I mean, I think the music is just gorgeous and the new arrangements that they did for Mm -hmm. Broadway are, (laughs) I mean, take it somewhere else completely. And it's just this wonderful, like little show about how music unites us and is this wonderful expressive tool that we can that we can use and i i just love it i listen to that soundtrack all the time
3: i think it's one of the rare adaptations that is better than the source material is that controversial
4: y- yeah yeah <laughs> no i i i actually may say that yeah i haven't i actually haven't seen the movie in a while but i I would definitely be tempted to say that it is better than the movie. Well, that's a very interesting choice.
2: I have not seen once. Of course, I know the movie and the song Mm -hmm. Falling Slowly Mm -hmm. that uh, beat out those three enchanted songs at the Oscars that year. (laughs) (laughs) Mm
5: -hmm. I've actually never seen the movie or the musical on stage, (gasps) though I have listened to the album many a time, and I'm embarrassed to say I even can play Falling Slowly on my ukulele. So, you know...
4: Video where it didn't happen. I need to. I need. I need to hear this. I need Little to hear you do this now. Exclusive there. <laughs> no, but have you heard the the soundtrack to the movie or the musical?
5: Uh, both. I've listened to both of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, and they're yeah. both they're beautiful. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just waiting yeah. for there to be a production that I can go to.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm, all right. Yeah, sounds good. And just very quickly, my favorite, and again, just like Dan, I didn't have to think about this. It was so natural to me is the producers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mentioned before, I first saw, uh, I actually saw the Mel Brooks movie before the 2005 movie, but not long. It was maybe two weeks before I was building it up, even though I was far too young to probably <laughs> you know, be the right age to be seeing that, but I was a pretty mature kid. So it wasn't a huge deal seeing that movie and then going to see the show a year later. Mm. Just, well, it will always hold a special place in my heart. that, Brand of humor is right up my alley. I love Mel Brooks, almost everything he has ever done. One of my favorite people in the world, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. You can't get any better than the two of them together. No. Nope. We mentioned Gary Beach. Just that show is outrageous. It bites the hand that feeds it, but also <laughs> like kisses that same hand simultaneously. You know, it is a satire, but it loves Broadway. So producers, I hope it's revived one day because a whole new generation deserves to see it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the producers?
4: I love it. I think it's great. The every song is really ridiculously clever. Music and lyrics by Mel Brooks. We should say, yeah,
2: yeah. It's it's great. It kept winning Tony after Tony that night, and when it, he finally it, got to life it the swept. One.
4: It was the most Tony-winning musical ever. And this, and this is why, like, I sort of hold a grudge against the producers a little bit. <laughs> um, because for the producers was the show that started doing premium ticket prices. Yes, right. I was just
3: going to say the same thing.
4: Yeah, it was the first time that tickets, you know, would go above a hundred dollars mm-hmm. to see it, and it became which is now de rigueur. Yeah, which is now de rigueur. Um, and I, so I, I, hold a bit of a grudge against it for starting that trend, but I, I can't begrudge the fact that it's a really a um, wonderful show. Yeah. Cody, Nicole, any thoughts?
5: I, I mean, I've never seen it on stage, but I've seen the movie, and it is just—I mean, it's a joyous thing to watch.
3: I've also only seen the movie, which I think is—I I think the movie is fine. I think it's a little bit stagey, for lack of a better oh, word. For sure. Yeah, but so I <laughs> of—it's charm.
2: It's like going <laughs> right, to see but the I
3: can—I can take the movie and see the roots of it and imagine seeing the same thing on stage and just be completely charmed by it.
2: You know, the original Mel Brooks film, if people ask me for one favorite movie of all time, that's probably it. Hmm. So to have a musical based on that and have it be just about as good. Yeah. Is great. So here we go. We have nine, we have kinky boots slash heathers, we have once, <laughs> and we have the producers.
4: And a word about ghost. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because <A> single word. <laughs> I was saying earlier that like I needed to talk about this because I saw I for whatever God knows what reason friends <laughs> and I got tickets to see the very first preview of Ghost on oh God. Broadway, no. and let me tell you, <laughs> there like I mean because we were all like how that how the hell are they even going to do this show? Like, How are they even going to take this and turn it into a show? I don't know how they staged all the ghosty stuff, but it was legitimately amazing. And half of the score... Is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is so <laughs> unbelievably, unbearably terrible <laughs> that I don't know how it ever made it to stage. <laughs> I guess we could say Ghost the Musical. You in danger, girl. Oh. <laughs> I really? I mean, and that was where I first was introduced to Casey Levy, who should have been turning nominated this past year for her role as Elsa in Frozen. Joy DeVine Ra- Randolph, I think was her name. She was um, nominated. Who is Oda who was nominated and was fan-flippantastic um, as as in the role that won Whoopi Goldberg her Oscar Yes. So Ghost the Musical closed for years But <laughs> sort of remembered in our hearts At least R. Half R. remembered <laughs> in our
2: hearts Nonetheless Ghost the Musical is uh, With all the not other ghosts of the world You know, no longer on Broadway
4: but, but no, I do like Seek out the cast recording and give it a listen Because some of the songs are really, really, really good
0: Hey everyone, I'm Aaron And I'm Patrick And together we host the Feelin' Film Podcast a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit. Yes, sir. Talking about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion. New episodes drop every Monday morning, and you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks. You can also find out more about the show at feelingfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay
4: positive.
2: And keep feeling sound. All right. On to our next subject, the main attraction of this episode. Avenue Q turns 15 years old. It opened July 31st, 2003. And, you know, it is still playing off-Broadway right now, so it has a bit of a legacy. We all came to the show from very different places. And I want to set that up (laughs) because three of us knew about it or had listened to it prior to this recording. And one of us had just (laughs) experienced it for the first time. (laughs) <laughs> and that someone is Nicole, whose reaction I'm going to save for the end, because I think hers is going to be the most unique. Because you're cruel. <laughs> I want to start again with Cody, and hear just when the first time you listened to or saw Avenue Q was, what he thought of it, and what do you think of it now?
3: Okay, so I, I first listened to it when it came out, which was, um, I was in middle school, perhaps a little bit. Oh, God. Too young to be listening to that. But I, I remember, yeah, <laughs> I checked out from the local library, and I remember listening to it and kind of just thinking, wow, oh my God, they can actually say these things on Broadway? And I just was <laughs> shocked, but also really impressed by the the heart of it as much as if a 12 year old can be. And then I actually saw it um, a few years later when I was in high school in the appropriate age and I liked it. I liked it. I don't, I didn't love it. Um, I thought it was pretty cleverly staged and the book was funny. Um, I, I, I think we'll go into this later, but I didn't think it was the be all end all of musical theater or the funniest thing I've ever seen, but I, I liked it. All right.
2: Very good. Dan, where do you stand on Avenue Q when you first saw it, and what did you think of it?
3: Um, so I first
4: heard this soundtrack. I this is one of those rare instances where I actually bought a cast recording site unseen. Um, I it was at my local Borders, RIP, <laughs> oh, RIP, um, back when it was in business, and they had like a copy of it. In the um, bargain area because it was a display copy and it was like 11 bucks and I picked it up and I had like I remember like you know reading reviews of this that said it was good Um, and I you know looked at the turned it over and looked at the track listing and saw some of the song titles and went oh my god I have to have this (laughs) Um, and went home and listened to it and instantly fell in love like re- literally right from the first i very much identified with its brand of humor i thought the everything was great it's it's not my favorite musical ever but it is probably the one that i've listened to the most all right so you have a real connection to it yeah. Um, and I uh, t- the, I brought it when it first came out. It must have been not that long after it first came out because I brought the, I, br- I remember bringing it, the soundtrack with me to college. So it must have been like my sophomore, I, I think it was my sophomore or junior year. So yeah, it would have been 2003, 2004. Um and I brought it back with me because I was doing this thing um, for freshman orientation that was called the Issues Troop, and oh. we were, um, we it was a bunch of us who did a like skits for the incoming freshmen because you know like people are coming from all over to college and you may not have seen a gay person or a, a black person or Indian person or whatever before in your life and it was all about you know like. Um, being respectful of each other and all this sort of stuff. And I brought it down specifically with me to play the song. Everyone's a little bit racist. Uh, (laughs) Which like we were all just like laughing our asses off at, and we did, we ended up doing, well, we ended up not doing something with it because, you know, (laughs) copyright issues, but all right. Well,
2: I'm glad you have a connection to it that (laughs) allows you to like, Oh yes. Bring people together through Avenue Q. Mm hmm. Very quickly, before we get to the star here, <laughs> I'm going to say my little piece on it, which also involves uh, the story Borders, believe it or not. <laughs> oh,
1: no, yay!
2: So I first discovered Avenue Q in 2007, because if I had seen it in 2003, I would have been... summer 2003, I was seven. <laughs> oh my god. I was eight, so... <laughs> so I was about to turn eight that far. But the first time I discovered Avenue Q was in around the holidays, December 2007, And I got something in the mail, or my family got something in the mail that day, and it was like a sticker from Borders where you could go to the store and put that sticker on any item and receive 25% off. And I had just discovered this from the internet, that there was like a raunchy musical involving puppets, and I love the Muppets and Sesame Street, so this seemed right up my alley. (laughs) And the fact that it was like inappropriate (laughs) and sort of beyond what I should be listening to or appreciating at the time only made me want to hear it more. (laughs) I was in sixth grade, so you know, you're seeing all those raunchy things at the time and i told my parents i want to go to borders and get this soundtrack called avenue q and they're like yeah that's not happening and i said no i really want to get it and they said you know what we're gonna do we're gonna call a cousin i have a cousin who used to run like bus trips to new york from one of the local synagogues around here oh god and she would see all the shows and they said what do you think of avenue avenue q and she said, oh, it's not appropriate for him. He shouldn't see it. Oh. So they were like, nope, you're not seeing Avenue Q yet.
4: Hold Lame.
2: on. We'll use that sticker for something else. And I just would not let up for months after, probably about two or three months after that, just Avenue Q, Avenue Q, Avenue Q, Avenue Q until the point where they were just like, fine, listen to Avenue Q, but this is the only exception we're making. <laughs> I use my iTunes gift cards that I got for Hanukkah that year, <laughs> they got the album, and I listened to it on my little iPod Nano. <laughs> oh my on God. The bus in sixth grade, because I had a pretty long bus ride. I would listen to probably half the album by the time I got to school, probably every day for about four months.
5: That story is so weirdly pure for this musical. <laughs>
2: yeah, it really is.
5: How Just sweet. Wow. Learning
2: all the lyrics. And then after that, you know, I would listen every now and then when I wanted to refresh myself. Mm hmm. Up until just listening to it again this weekend, it's probably been about a year and a half, two years since I heard it. But listening again now, all the lyrics just came flooding back, all the memories. Mm-hmm. Of, oh yeah! I should mention, I saw the show finally in August of 2008 as a bar mitzvah gift from someone, <laughs> which is very nice of them. I think it was even from the cousin who said not to see it, which is the funny part.
3: <laughs> oh, that is funny. You're old enough now. You're a man now. I love it.
2: <laughs> so, uh, I finally saw Avenue Q. Next month will be ten years. And really enjoyed it you know i was young at the time so i may not have connected with the whole thing of wish i could go back to college and finding purpose and Mm. trying to struggle with a degree in english but you know i just like seeing this raunchy musical that was able to still have a heart but really be over the top at the same time so that is my experience with avenue q nicole ackman (laughs)
5: All right, so whenever Avenue Q came out, I was, I think, eight years old.
2: Babies, all of you. Oh, my God. What are we, 94 and 95, Nicole? Yep.
5: (laughs)
4: Here we go.
5: I was in the middle of my phase where I was really into, I think, Annie and Oklahoma. So needless to say, it did not really, like, register on my radar at all. (laughs) So I somehow had never heard it until, like, last week. I mean, I'd heard bits and pieces of it. Like, I think everyone has heard the song The Internet is for Porn. Yeah. Like, you can't escape it if you are stagey at all. Yeah. Um, and so I knew something of it. I was never that into the Muppets either. I did like Sesame Street, but so I never really had any real interest in it, but I listened to it. And I have to say, first of all, when it got, you know, the song, what do you do with a BA in English? As someone who... Graduated last year with a BA in a double major of communications and history. With a minor in French, this song hit me hard. Yeah, (laughs) I love unemployment. It's great. (laughs) But I love it so much I ended up getting my master's. So (laughs) yeah, that hit hard. I will say like one of the things that really struck me about it is the fact that it came out in 2003 and it's about to turn 15 and everything in it is still so incredibly relevant. Yeah. Um, that said, it's really funny. It's not my thing. Um, and I can readily admit that, like, I think it's a good musical. I don't know that I would say it's a great musical. Um, but I do think it's good. But I don't know that I would ever listen to it again. Aww.
2: Okay. So, admittedly not your thing, but you appreciate <laughs> the craft of it. and Absolutely. Like, the, how well it's done. All right. Fair enough. So, we, again... Different places, uh, but I think we all know that this show is crafted in a way that is just pretty impeccable from the design of the puppets Mm -hmm. to how the songs walk that line between just being raunchy and crazy, but also having heart to them. Uh, And I guess for our listeners, some of you may not have seen Avenue Q, (laughs) so would anyone like to just take this opportunity to give a brief synopsis
4: of what it's really all about? Okay, so there is this puppet recent college graduate named Princeton who finds himself um, looking for a place to live after and he graduated. he can't gradu- afford Avenue A. Right. <laughs> he can't afford anywhere in New York until he gets all the way down in Alphabet City to the mystical Avenue Q. <laughs>
1: um,
4: which is populated by both puppets and real humans. Um, the real humans being um, A man named Brian. Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, Brian and his uh, <laughs> Korean wife, Christmas Eve. Yes. And the uh, super of the building in which they all live, Gary Coleman. Yes, that Gary Coleman. <laughs> Gary Coleman, the former star of Different Strokes. Yes. Who had his uh, money stolen by
2: his parents and is now the super <laughs> on Avenue Q. Yep. That is one of the best <laughs> running jokes.
4: And... the The role of Gary Coleman is always played by a female actress. By by an African-American female, but yes, by a female. Um, And it's about Princeton and the colorful denizens he meets on Avenue Q, and done in the style of um, anything... That you may have seen from the children's television workshop, most notably Sesame Street. Uh, someone needs to learn a lesson, and so there is a song about it. For example, um, everyone's a little bit racist. Yeah, so we should mention <laughs> how that comes up
2: in a conversation Please. with the show. Uh, Princeton is talking to uh, his friend Kate Monster. <laughs> who is a teacher. She's a kindergarten teacher. Yep. And she wants to open up a special school for monsters, a monster story school. (laughs) (laughs) And in talking about that, Princeton says, hey, could someone like me go there? And she goes, no, we don't want people like you. Which then leads to Princeton calling Kate a
4: racist. No, 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 no. No, that comes second. Because first he asks you're her. Right. Yes, yes, yes. He says, no, no, there's Trekkie Monster who lives upstairs.
5: Right. And you're Kate like Monster. Monster.
2: But instead yeah. of a cookie obsession, he's obsessed with internet porn. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so weird when you put it like that. I but... know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> like, There's no way a synopsis of this show sounds like a show you would want to see. <laughs> <laughs> Princeton asks Kate
2: if Kate Monster is related to Trekkie Monster, and she says that's racist, which is in Princeton <laughs> yeah. then asks if he could go to the monster school, and she goes, no, we don't want people like you, which then leads to all these characters coming out and talking about how eh, they all have their little biases, and mm-hmm. that's sort of okay because everyone has them, and yes. it might not be something to be proud of, but hey, everybody does it even if we don't want to admit it, yep. which I think a lot of people can relate to on so many levels. What do we all think?
3: I actually think this is the song that dates the show the most. Really, um, I, I found it actually listening to it today. It was the first time I'd listened to the show in a while, also, and I found it a, a little actually hard to listen to. Um, just the, the kind of resignation to being intolerant, and I know it's a it's in a comedic uh lens i found that a little bit disheartening in 2018 when
2: i say we all have our things i don't want to make it sound yeah. like oh we all have our racist things <laughs> no, <laughs> no no and no of no. course but that is imperfect and maybe yeah that thought that crosses our mind and we're like oh we shouldn't be
3: thinking that but oh, yeah fair hey, there it is but like, specifically in the context of the musical where they're all like well what are you gonna do Da da da. and then on their way i i found that a little bit uh yeah, disheartening on a re listen.
5: I see it as being played almost satirically because I do think it raises some good points that like, for example, you know, some of the characters are talking about not being racist, but then they think it's okay to like make Polish jokes. And I think that that's something (laughs) that you see so often is people who like do something and they, it never occurs to them that it is racist. Um, So I enjoy that. It kind of points out that like, you can be racist without thinking that you are racist. Like,
4: That's true. The moment that always seals the deal for me in that song is the, guys, 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 Jesus was Jewish, and they all (laughs) laugh.
2: Comes when uh, (laughs) someone says, Jesus Christ, and Gary Coleman goes, there was a fine, upstanding Upstanding black black man. man. (laughs) (laughs) And they go, no, Jesus was white, no, Jesus was black, Jesus was white, Jesus was black. Guys, guys,
4: guys, Jesus was jewish
2: everyone bursts out laughing ha 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 ha! you yeah. know as a jew i we've all i could say yep uh, yeah, at the butt of the joke before, it's we've funny all when it's it. with my own jewish friends when it's yep. with someone else not so funny <laughs> and you know with the show it's an equal opportunity offender it's like something joan rivers would do <laughs> so knowing that it's in good fun <laughs> makes me able to think that song's funny as yeah it, if it were being a
4: Played by clan members, maybe not so funny. (laughs) Yeah, and honestly, the humor is what makes me able to listen to it. Like, the fact that it is so funny. But then you even have the character of Christmas Eve coming in at the end. Yes! (laughs)
2: And Brian says, honey, you're a little racist. And she goes, the Jews have all the money and the whites have all the power. And I'm always in a taxi cab with the driver who knows shower, which Gary (laughs) Coleman replies, I can't even get a taxi.
4: (laughs) Well, no, they all bond over the fact that they can't get a taxi. Like none of them can get the taxi, which is hysterical.
2: So that song really, I think, became one of the selling points of the show. Like when you think of songs from Avenue Q, people always think of that one. Uh, And I think the one that comes shortly after it, uh, the Internet is for Porn. Yeah, (laughs) which no talk about a song that I don't want to say dates the show so much because I'm sure Internet porn is still a big thing out there. But I think (laughs) when they're talking about this big concept of the Internet being so revolutionary and there being such a thing as porn on the Internet. You know, 15 years ago, that would have been something shocking to some people.
3: Yeah, well. Whereas in 2018,
2: (laughs) it's like, oh, yeah, okay, so there's porn on the internet, so what?
3: This was the song that did shock me the most as a a young 12 year old.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As it should as there it some lines in that song that shocked me. Like when all the men start bonding over.
4: It. <laughs>
5: yeah, as a 23-year-old, it's the song that shocked me the most. So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> really more than you can be as loud as the how you want when you're making love?
5: Yeah. Yeah, I
2: think it the I line mean about double clicking in that song always. Uh, yes, oh yeah. yeah. That's the one that's all go. I'm like, oh my god.
5: It just It's the kind of thing that you I was very glad I was watching or listening to this like in my room. And not, like, out in public, because I wouldn't want someone and to, like, look over car, and see it, like, no. on my phone.
2: Like. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine listening to it on the bus to middle school, I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. Oh,
1: I bet you were popular. I popular. so can't believe you did uh, that, Michael.
2: <laughs> so, uh, you know, we don't have to do a full plot synopsis of Avenue Q because it's just no. talking about the moments that we all appreciated or responded yeah. to. Anyone else could listen to the album or read the synopsis on Wikipedia. But were there any other characters aside from the core bunch?
4: Um, there's there's Rod and Nikki, who are basically Bert and Ernie. Yeah. Um, Rod is a closeted gay Republican businessman, <laughs> and Nikki is his layer bout roommate. Um, and then there's Lucy T. Slut, T. Short for the <laughs> <laughs> Lucy the Slut, and um, the the principal of. Uh, Kate Munster's School, Mrs. Credited in the as Mrs. T, by the way. <laughs> whose real name is Mrs. Thistletwat. <laughs> <laughs> and my my personal favorite characters in the show, the Bad Idea Bears. The Bad Idea Bears and the <laughs> Long Island Ice tea yes <laughs> oh god <laughs> yes i i just i think the concept of the bad idea bears is like you know these little sprites that come up as you know you're basic like the the devil that sits on your shoulder but they sound like little angels <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, They're my favorite um, part of the show that kind of takes the Sesame Street concept and makes it adult. Yeah. because, you know, in Sesame Street, they um, physicalize a lot of things like conscience and mm-hmm. stuff like that and taking it in an adult way and, you know, having it be the drunk voice in your head telling you to sleep with your neighbor. I really love that. <laughs> I just
5: have to say, like, having recently discovered Long Island iced teas, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, this was hard to bless listen you.
1: To.
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was yeah. like,
5: sorry, I can't do this now.
2: You know, there's a song later in the show where the romance starts to become a factor between uh, Kate and Princeton. Princeton's looking for a purpose, and Kate's obviously looking for a boyfriend. (laughs) So, you know, they come together, and Kate really wants to like Princeton, but she's not really sure what Princeton thinks. And then one day she gets a mixtape from Princeton. <laughs> that is the most dated song on the show. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mixtape. And I think they still that have that That was dated in, in
3: 2003. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, Gary
2: Coleman died, so I guess this has to take place years ago. Sure. Yes. It's a Period piece. If he's still a character in it, so we'll just pretend it's stuck in 2003.
5: The <laughs> funny thing that I have is that mixtapes now make me think of Lim Manuel Miranda because he always tweets about how he used to make them.
2: Oh um. yes, the Hamilton mixtape.
5: Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I used to make like mixtape CDs for my friends all the time. And when I say used to, I mean, like, as recently as, like, three years ago, because that's my way of forcing my friends to listen to my music.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, Love it.
5: <laughs> so, like, I I it it does date the show in a way, but it dates it in, like, an almost enduring way. Mm. And I think that it could be played modern if you just make, you know, if, if the actors played the idea of the mixtape as, like, bizarre.
3: Or that could even be extra charming that he went through this old hackneyed way of exactly. passing on music. Exactly. Regardless of
2: that, I think the funniest part of that song is when she's looking at the songs listed on Side A. Yes. And she's not really sure what to make on, about it. So I wrote down a few of the songs that she mentions. It's great. The first few are, You've Got a Friend, the theme from Friends, and that's what Friends are for. And she goes, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then she goes, oh, wait, there's A Whole New World, Kiss the Girl and My Sharia Moore. And she goes, oh, wow, he does like me. She keeps reading and There's, I am the walrus. Fat bottom girls and yellow submarine. And she goes, what does this mean?
4: <laughs> I, I do love that how the, that song is all about how like women will overanalyze the tiniest little details of a gift that they get from a man. And men are just like, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. So then she keeps reading. And the very last
2: song on there is I Have to Say I Love You in a Song. And she's like, "Oh, he really does love me." And he goes, yeah. Yeah, "Now I gotta go home and make copies for everyone else on the street." <laughs>
4: <laughs> but then he does ask her out on a date. So, yes.
2: so I just think that's so clever how they use all those titles together to create a narrative within that song.
4: Yeah, it's the all, the entire score is just so clever. It's full of moments like that that sort of play with. <laughs> the lyrics and what's going on around these characters. I, The, I, the life outside your apartment number. <laughs> yeah,
2: which we'll get to in a minute as we move into Act 2. I have to say,
5: as far as Act 1, I think my favorite song other than What Do You Do With A B.A. in English has to be My Girlfriend Who Lives in Canada.
4: <laughs> which I have used as an audition song, <laughs> and it kills every time. It's quick, it's funny, it's... It's so much fun. I love that song so much, you guys. (laughs) But, and in case you, like, in case you couldn't figure it out, if you haven't seen the show, um, my girlfriend who lives in Canada Is sung by Rod to prove To everyone that he's not Gay he has a girlfriend Who no one has met because she lives in Canada And she <laughs> wanted to come to you know Here to visit you but she's sick Her name you know. is Albert, she <laughs> lives in Vancouver Um my, my favorite Song in act one and like God I love them all but like I really love the last Song in act one there's a fine fine line mm, mm, I yes agree. I was just gonna mention that Which is probably the most straightforward song in the whole music yeah. it's the most straightforward song in the show and in like in any musical that would be a great song
5: i feel like it's the one song that you could completely take out of the musical yes. and it still would make perfect sense
3: right it still does reinforce that theme of life lessons for adults by oh yeah. Sesame Street. yeah it's instructional but it's also heartfelt
4: yeah and it's a beautiful song that yes. is really great
2: it closes out act one where you don't really know where uh Princeton and Kate are in their relationship because they have yeah. this, Really, I guess they did break up, but you know that they're going to maybe find another way later on in act two. But it's a great way to just close out what we saw now. Princeton's still looking for his purpose and doesn't really know where to go. And Kate is feeling that too. So you move on to the second act of the show. They're saying it sucks to be me again about how their lives are terrible. and <laughs> Uh Princeton won't leave the apartment, and everyone tells him, "Oh, get out! There's life outside your apartment. All the crazy things going on in New York, and it's all just this horrible stuff. Like people committed suicide, and birds like yeah. flying all That's around." That's my favorite
3: car. joke in the whole show. Is I'm gonna jump. Don't do, do it. it. Yeah, okay.
4: Definitely. Yeah. How <laughs> is it so easy. I love it. And I also love how in that song, like there is life outside your apartment. I know, and there. Are the lyrics are completely drowned out by a jackhammer and the mm-hmm. car honking and all these other things, and then they all swear. Yeah. Different swear at the same time. It's, it's perfect.
2: <laughs> so this all builds up to a character who we mentioned before, but I want to discuss a little bit more in detail with her big song. Christmas Eve has a song of, and of um, the more you rub someone. Yes. Now, in 2018, the character of Christmas Eve and a song with that title, Mm -hmm. would be ridiculed by the internet to the point where it was cut from the show. Yeah. Because it is such a stereotype of an Asian character. But, 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 hear me out. Again, this show is an equal opportunity offender that is not pulling any punches. Yeah. So, you know, I get what they're doing. It just seems weird with the lenses that we're wearing now
4: in this society. What do we all think of Christmas Eve in this song? Um, I feel like even then, Christmas Eve was the character of Christmas Eve. People were a little iffy about it, but you had the genius. Anne mm-hmm. playing the part. And it should be noted that she was the only cast member who transferred from Broadway to London for the West End production.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: None of the other... John Tartaglia and Stephanie D'Abruzzo, who were Tony nominees, didn't go with it. Only Anne Harada went with it to London. And she, she played that character as if she was in on the joke the whole time. True. And which makes it more like more difficult to get offended by because the actress is going at it with such gusto and particularly, I think in the more you rub someone, which is, is sort of a, torch song about the line is the more you love someone, the more you want to kill them. <laughs> it sort of reminds me of in a strange way of something wonderful from the King yes. and I. Yes. And I think that's the Absolutely. obvious inspiration. Yep. Um, But like, there's a point where like she just really just let's go. And the more you love
2: someone, yeah. the more. And, and she's a therapist. So yeah. that's why she's the one saying this. And she right. has that great line of dialogue in the song where she goes, Love and hate are like two brothers who go on a date. Yes. Who? <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> what? Let. What? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wait. What? What? <laughs> what are you talking about?
3: Yeah. I, I do think it's unfortunate, and this isn't the show's fault that it's one of the very, very few—not even just lead roles of you know any import that are specific to asian american actresses yeah um but that's not the show's fault per se and like you said an harada gives it such humanity and warmth that you just you love the character
2: certainly the song that follows that is another famous song schadenfreude
4: that's my favorite song in the, the whole, whole
2: show so the character of Nikki. You know, he's feeling very down. I think he's kicked out of his apartment at this point, mm-hmm. living on the street. Yeah. And Gary Coleman bumps into him and thinks it's hysterical seeing him living on the street <laughs> because he te- Gary teaches Nicky the word schadenfreude, happiness at the misfortune of others, <laughs> to which Nicky goes, wow, that really is like a Nazi word. <laughs> so they spend the song, no, it's not a big plot point or anything, they just spend the song talking about funny things, or bad things that happen to be very funny. Like actors never reaching the end of their Oscar speech <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. oh, drop a, a, a tray of plates. Oh, so true. So all these things that people go and see and everyone, the normal people in society will say, just respond with like shock. And they're like, Oh my God, can I help? And then these horrible people are in the corner laughing. We all know someone like that. Yeah. We may even participate in it ourselves. Oh,
4: please. We've all done it at some point. Yes.
2: Yeah, like straight A students getting B's X is getting STDs. Yep. Uh, CEO's getting shackled. waking dormant from their naps, watching tourists reading maps. Yeah, all that stuff, uh, and then it just gets crazier and crazier as it goes along.
5: I have to say, this is one of my least favorite songs. In it. No, really? <laughs>
2: bum bum. Are you a nice person, Nicole? I think
5: I- <laughs> be too nice for this song oh, No, like not to sound like a complete hufflepuff out here because i'm not but i was just like no wait these things make me sad like, oh. <laughs> i think i'm just not the right person for this musical honestly
2: Or how about the one that really gives it the explicit rating here uh watching a vegetarian being told he just ate chicken Or watching a frat boy realize just what he put his dick in. I love
3: that one. It's so pretty dark.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. uh, Sean Freida. That's where they're really caught on as a result of Avenue Q. You hear people mention it in everyday talk now. So, yeah. Again, we get back to Princeton trying to find that purpose. Everyone sings about how they wish they could go back to college. Uh, Being
5: a year out of college. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You graduated a year ago. I graduated in May. So I don't (laughs) think we're really the people to talk about this no, so I've, much. No,
5: I've had those moments already, honestly. Oh, yeah. Where I'm oh, like, yeah. wow, I miss my meal uh, plan. They will
3: happen more frequently <laughs> yep. as you get older. That's, yep.
5: when he mentions the meal plan, I was like, oh, God, yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's what I miss. Like.
3: <laughs>
2: I, I think the line about the TA is hysterical.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the line, I wish I had taken more, more pictures.
4: Yeah. Oh, God,
2: it's yes.
3: truly. <laughs> truly. And especially because, like,
4: Heart-breaking. Uh, God, I don't know how old, old you are, Cody. but like I was in college, like just before iPhones were a thing. Mm -hmm. So we were still mostly taking pictures on an actual camera, whether it was digital or film, but we were taking
3: them on an actual camera. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. iPhones were new when I was there.
4: Yeah. Like Facebook came out while I was in college like, when I was a sophomore, I think. Um, so, yeah, definitely the line I wish I had taken more pictures is, that cuts right to the heart, man. <laughs> oh, really? But for a song like that,
2: you know, it has these funny moments. It ends on a really melancholy note where they say, "Yeah, we go back onto the quad and realize that everyone's so much younger than me. Yeah, That's not the yeah. exact line, but it, you get what it's saying. It's like, oh, well, I've really grown, and these people aren't yeah, like real. me anymore. Yeah, it, it's very, very real. <laughs> so... That's great. And that's where the show sort of starts to bring it all home. Princeton finally thinks he's discovering a purpose when he, again, Nikki's still <laughs> on the street. He bumps into Nikki, who's now begging for money. Princeton gives him a quarter or something and feels this renewed lease on life by giving to people. You know, he finally found his purpose. He wants to give back to the community. And he decides to raise money to build Kate the Monster
4: Surrey School. <laughs> And he does that by asking the audience. Yes, the actors come <laughs> on the stage. I was lucky enough where I got to, I haven't performed in Avenue Q, but I got to perform the Money Song um, with Avenue Q puppets at a fundraiser for a theater in Connecticut. <laughs> and it, let me tell you, like it went over like gangbusters. People, People really give. And all the money that's raised in the money song goes to uh, Broadway Cares to fight AIDS. Yep. And I forget, like, when it had closed, it was, like, some ridiculous amount of money that they had Mm. given to Broadway Cares.
5: It did crack me up a bit thinking about the fact that, um, Cody, I don't know if you know this yet, but we've discovered that... Dan and Michael and I actually all work in fundraising and development.
3: Oh, I do not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Bring this up, Nicole.
2: I'm so glad you mentioned that. Blessing (laughs) people with real jobs.
5: Yeah, so I was like, Oh, yep. All right. Yeah, I feel this. (laughs) That's
2: what we need to do. We need to go into uh, Broadway and (laughs) do a production of Avenue Q and take all the money we received to bring it to our various uh, places of business. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Although, like,
4: I wish it would be that simple, right? (laughs) Right. Cody, any thoughts on the Money Song?
3: Um, I remember just explicitly loving when all the puppets came out in the audience on Broadway. They came. I was in the mezzanine, and they yeah burst through the exit doors and were you know <laughs> shoving hats in your face. I didn't yeah. have any money. I was like sixteen <laughs> years old, but I They're loved like, it. Give
2: us your money, all that you've got. Fork it all over, or some pockets will get shot.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I
4: love it. So
2: they raise this money, and I think they have a great amount. They look at what they have, and it's like next to nothing. <laughs> so they finally get to the last person on Avenue Q, who they have not contacted yet, Trekkie Monster, who is mm-hmm. barricaded in his apartment, you know, watching his internet porn. And he's like, go away, me busy, me go busy. Go away,
1: me busy. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: then they go, fine, I guess we won't get this monster school after all. And he just is frozen. He goes, school for monsters? And he thinks to himself, being bullied in school as a child, and donates $10 million. <laughs> like, Which he made. <laughs> where did you have that money? And he goes, in bad economy, only stable market is porn. Yep. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> <laughs> Trekkie saves the day. The Monster Story School is built. And Kate's happy. Princeton still doesn't have that purpose. But then as he sees someone moving on to Avenue Q, just like him, like full of like, idealism, not, but not really knowing what to do. Princeton <laughs> says, I have an idea. I'm going to take all that I've learned over my couple months here on Avenue Q and put it in a Broadway musical. He thinks he has a great idea, to which someone replies, are you high? <laughs> 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 it's like, what a dumb idea. So that's where the show becomes very, very meta. And he realizes when his friends tell him that maybe he doesn't have to have a purpose after all. Maybe he just goes through life doing what he does every day and... It's an ordinary person, and that's everything he has. And that is where the show, again, becomes so real.
3: <gasps> this finale. Oh, my God. I, I think it's such a weirdly brave way to end your yeah. strictly comedic musical with this contemplative song about existentialism and, you know, the impermanence of time truly and I, I love it and
4: for such an upbeat musical too like to end on like the last line of the show is everything in life is only for now mm-hmm. and like each time you smile it'll only last a while i mean come on they
2: say the only things that are definite in life are death and paying taxes Yep. yep everything else is for now and then they start naming all these things life love work uh friendship your hair your hair. <laughs> Your hair. And then the famous line is where they say George Bush. Yeah. I'm sure that line has been changed
4: off Broadway it, now. They for obvious so reasons. when George Bush went out of office, yes, I remember they had a contest for someone to like to come up with the replacement lyric. And occasionally they would change it to like Fox News or some other Republican thing.
3: I think they did keep it George Bush for a little bit, even after yes. Obama was in office. I think just had a you know nostalgia. <laughs>
2: I'm sure it's Trump now, obviously, <laughs> unless they just stay with the George Bush thing, which could be funny. But uh, everything's only for now. Not everyone has a purpose
3: in life, and apparently that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to hear when you're 12 years old. Yeah. It's a lot to hear
5: at 23. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I was like, oh I mean, God, just, that's not what I needed to hear.
4: <laughs> I mean, like, face it, Princeton basically, like, probably is around 23, his young yep. 20s, certainly. Yep. Yeah, he just got his B.A. in English. Yeah, (laughs) and like that's the lesson you learn and leave the audience with, like, but like, how adult is is that?
3: And I'm sure that's I'm and we'll go into this, but I'm sure that's what helped it do so well on Tony Night was this layer of kind of meta melancholy. Almost, it wasn't just jokes and laughs. There was also the campaign. (laughs) Oh yes, I was going to go into that. But I think that's you know kind of what gave it the the basement of support at least to like respect the musical to give it best musical.
4: Yeah, I mean people who like sort of, and it it has bothered me ever since I heard first heard of the soundtrack and especially then when after I saw the show like people who like dismiss it as just like you know. It, like a college spoof or, you know, um, just like really not weighty and just silly and stupid. And like, but no, like there's some really weighty stuff in here. And like, it's, yes, it's put over very light and airy, um, you know, because, but that's mostly because it just so perfectly mimics the orchestrations and melodies of children's television songs.
2: (laughs) Right, and it's not affiliated with Jim Henson or Southern nope. Television no, Workshop. But it no. is so close to those melodies and the songs that you would hear from them. Oh my god, that yes. That you almost think it is associated. Just like that upcoming
4: movie, The Happy Time Murders. Yeah, Happy Murders. Time Murders, yeah. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's... it's this, uh, The score is so dead on. This is what got Bobby Lopez his... First step on the way First to key. double E-gotting. Yes, double E-gotting.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I understand that uh, it had all that buzz around it. And then what really surprised people is that at the 2004 Tony Awards, it was up against Carolina Change, The Boy from Oz*, and Wicked. Yep. And it beat all three of those shows for mm-hmm. Best Musical. Yep. That is amazing. Yeah. That it Wicked. The juggernaut that is still running, not off-Broadway, but on-Broadway. 15 years strong, shows no sign of leaving. It was already
3: a hit at the time.
2: Yeah, it was a big box office hit. And uh, Carolina Change, you know, the Tony Kushner
5: mm-hmm.
4: musical oh, that beloved. people mm-hmm. love, 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 love that show.
5: About to be revived here in London. I'm
4: so jealous. Like, no shade to Adina Menzel, but I'm still upset that Tanya Pinkins didn't win the
3: Tony. <laughs> it's a, a travesty. <laughs> oh my God.
2: So, Carolina Change, as great as it is, is a tough sell for any yes. like, sure. audience against this. <laughs> yeah, stuff. just, when you're just a bit. Towards <laughs> the to Broadway you're not going to give Carolina change your best musical, even if it is the best musical of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was really just between Avenue Q and wicked. And I get why Avenue Q one wicked is great for many, many reasons. It looks fantastic. Special effects are dazzling, but when it comes to story and songs, I think Avenue Q has the edge. What do you all think about
4: that? Absolutely. I, I so much agree with you. I, I, don't even think the score for wicked is really that good i think it's sloppy and messy and the book is i don't get me started
5: i would disagree yes me too um partially (laughs) i guess part of my thing is and i'm not a huge wicked fan me neither i'm not like one of those i i mean i've seen it a couple of times but i think for me the thing about wicked is like I enjoy going back and seeing it again. And every so often, I will actually listen to the album. And there are some really beautiful moments, I think, in There
4: are some good songs. The wicked, Yes.
5: Particularly in... I mean, obviously, this is partially because Christian Chenoweth is a goddess. But mm-hmm. particularly with the character of Galinda, I think there's some real nuance there. And some really beautiful um, moments musically.
2: Yeah, I like Wicked a lot, too. I think it's not a perfect show, but it, it, it has its great For moments. For me,
5: I guess, like... Wicked is something that I would want to return to, that I connect with in a way that, like, I, honest to God, don't think I'll probably ever, like, voluntarily listen to Avenue Q again. Mm. Um, not that I'm saying I think it's a bad show, but I do think it's not... It's I mean, obviously, it's an interesting thing to try and pit the two against each other because they've both had some significant lasting power. Mm. Um, though I do think Wicked has probably resonated with more people, particularly if you look internationally.
4: But how much of that is based on its own merits, and how much of that is because it's Wizard of Oz?
5: No, I think that Wicked is interesting. I mean, for one thing, I think I partially like it because it's such a female-led show, Mm -hmm. um, which particularly, you know, even 15 years ago was more rare. Yes. But... it, that's, it was a weird Tony's year, honestly, because yeah. you had two very strong shows with two very strong, like, almost cult followings.
3: And besides the campaign that they gave it, um, they didn't uh, – Wicked did not need the box office boost. Warner. Nope. Absolutely. That no,
2: absolutely not. Absolutely yeah, not.
4: The, the Vote Your Heart campaign for Avenue Q is so clever and so well done. But also, it's just the better show. It is. And that particular Broadway season is
2: portrayed in the movie Show Business, The Road to Broadway. Yeah. I
3: love this documentary. Yeah.
2: So they track all those shows of that season, how Avenue Q got to be the Tony winner above the Juggernauts. It was a little show that could. Mm -hmm. And when the show closed on Broadway in 2009, as the producers were giving their closing night speech, they revealed that Avenue Q may no longer be on Broadway, but a week after it closed they would be moving over to New World Stages only down the street in Times Square Yep. to do an off-Broadway production. That was in 2009, and it is still running today at New World Stages. Still running, and still good.
4: Yeah, it's still the same show, just a smaller theater. And that's how it started. It started off-Broadway in a small theater. So in many ways, this is going back to its roots. And I'd say, you know, long may it run. May it be the next Fantastics. It does
2: not show any sign of slowing down. Nope. So, very happy that they're able to continue. And in the month of July, to celebrate the show's 15th anniversary, as we're doing right now, <laughs> original cast members have been coming back. Yeah. For, like, one night or one week, something like that.
3: Oh, I didn't know that.
2: Yes, they've been coming back, and they have, like, a special drinks
4: menu based on who's there. Yeah, I, I was really upset because Anna Harada was coming back for one performance, and it was, like, when I was going to be out of town. Oh. <laughs> I <was> really upset. <laughs> Uh, She probably got a huge standing ovation for the more you rub someone. I'm sure. (laughs) absolutely.
2: So uh, Avenue Q, Tony winner that year, it did a best musical, best book of a musical. Didn't take any of the acting awards that it was nominated for, but you know, that was also the year of Hugh Jackman.
4: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: Mm -hmm. What else do we have? Best Best book of a musical. Best book,
4: best score. Yep.
2: And, uh, that was it, because all the other technical awards went to, like, Assassins and Wicked.
4: Yeah, and it lost a... Uh, John Tartaglia and Stephanie D'Abruzzo were nominated for the, their leading performances, but they were the only cast members nominated. Who do the puppets.
2: And that's tough, to mm-hmm. be able to control the puppets and sing.
3: Yeah.
4: So,
2: you know, we could go on for Avenue Q for hours and hours, but... Yeah. I think we talked about the songs and what we think about how it would play now, uh, the awards, anything else that I'm missing that we need to mention...
4: Just that it's a great show and you should all go see it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the legacy goes beyond just that Broadway run. They have parodies like Avenue Jew, Mm -hmm. which is a Fiddler on the Roof Avenue Q mashup. They had a 2004 election parody where they had puppets of Bush and Curry. Mm -hmm. And they performed in uh, Times Square. So they're always doing some sort of thing, even today. And
3: it kicked off Robert Lopez's career.
2: Yeah, Bobby Lopez, who did uh, Coco
4: and... Frozen.
5: Frozen. Frozen <laughs> of course Book
4: of Mormon yes. yep. Mm-hmm. yep And Book of Mormon Yeah It yeah. basically kicked off A run I mean along With um, Spamalot Which also came out Around that time It kicked off a run Of like m- Big Comedy Satire Spoof heavy shows mm-hmm. That came and Sort of dominated Like uh, Book of Mormon And Spamalot And um, Arg. I can't think of the <laughs> Third one. one Oh uh, Something Rotten Sure
2: hmm. Okay, yeah, something rotten, which is probably a little more tame than this, but yeah, still a <laughs> family, I guess. <laughs> uh, so I guess you know, even you, Nicole, who might not be the biggest fan, you still appreciate this show. I think yeah, absolutely, right? yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad we all like the craft and what the show is trying to do, even if we don't think it does it well in some areas. It It lives on, and I think for good reason. Mm -hmm. It's not just a gimmick. It really works as a musical. Yes. Totally. Exactly. Is that it? Anything else before we go? I got nothing.
4: No, I love this show, and I'm glad that you all like it, too.
2: (laughs) All right, then. Well, I think that covers it. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for this very special episode of the Next Best Theater Podcast. We are going to try to do more episodes like this in the coming months, so stay tuned for updates. In the meantime, Cody, where can our listeners find you on the internet?
3: Okay, you can find me at CodyMonster91 on Twitter and Instagram. You can also listen to my podcast, Halloweeners, a horror movie podcast, where I'm way louder and stupider than I am on this one. Check
5: it out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the two sides of Cody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Nicole, where can
4: we find you on the internet?
5: I am on Twitter and Instagram at Nicole ackman 16
4: And Dan? You can find me on Twitter at DanceAndDanOnFilm, and and you can find my writing at my personal blog, DanceAndDanOnFilm.blogspot.com, and on on the film experience.
2: Fantastic. And you can also find Beatrice on Twitter at BeansproutB. That's B-E-A, like Tony Winter, Uh, (laughs) B-Arthur. Once again, I'm Michael Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at MikeMovie. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, and CastBox. Be sure to check out everything going on at Next Best Picture, including the Patreon site, where you can purchase our Casablanca throwback review, which I'm also on. And since this is a theater podcast, we encourage you to get out and see a show. Really, there's a lot of great stuff on Broadway, whether it's new shows like Pretty Woman or older off-Broadway shows like Avenue Q. So, really, go out, see what's playing, and enjoy. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you all next time.